Hello and welcome once again to On Mic with Jordan Rich, where conversation with creative people is alive and well. And it's an encore appearance as we roll out the red carpet for longtime ABC Radio Network correspondent Bill Deal, one of the finest celebrity interviewers ever. We chatted with Bill a few years back about his first book called Stay Tuned, My Life Behind the Mic, and he's back with a follow-up book called 50 Years of Celebrity Chatter with quite the ear-catching subtitle, which reads, Or the time I interviewed a porn star naked. Question, was Bill naked or the porn star? Well, doesn't matter. He's a lovely guy with incredible knowledge and people skills, which makes him a fabulous interviewer. And it's about time I interviewed him again. So let's do it. Let's go on mic with Bill Deal. Welcoming back a dear friend and a broadcast pro of the First Order, Bill Deal, with a new book, as mentioned in the intro, 50 Years of Celebrity Chatter or the time I interviewed a porn star naked. Uh, I think we talked about that the last time, because why wouldn't we, right? The porn star. <laughs> you know, when uh, when my publisher, uh, the wonderful Steve White, uh, put that in the, the book uh, for the cover, uh, I showed it to a few people, and they said, what? You really want to have that there? He said, yeah, it'll probably help sell the books. Well, you can't help but want to know more, and there is there is a picture of a naked porn star. That's all we'll say at the moment, and we'll get to it maybe later. But uh, congratulations. This is a wonderful compendium of just some of your uh, celebrity interviews. Before we get started with some specifics, Bill, are you a pack rat? Because you seem to have cataloged these things beautifully over the years. I am. Uh, I am, Jordan. Uh, I collect so much. I collect a lot of books about broadcasting, and uh, I subscribe to a lot of a lot of uh, magazines, celebrity magazines, and I'm a member of uh, the Broadcast uh, Film Critics Association. So I get to see a lot of uh, new movies before other people do, uh, which is which is great. Uh, I don't cover the big award shows anymore. But I do keep my eye out for them. And there's, of course, a, a lot of new movies that are out now. Uh, and they're uh, coming up for Oscar contention. So we'll right. see what happens. You've got those so many things that have to have been on tape and uh, d- not digital, but <laughs> old school analog. So I'm just wondering where you stored a lot of these uh, videos and, and not videos, but interviews. Well, you should talk to my wife because she's always yelling at me. Where are we going to put this stuff? <laughs> uh, it just keeps piling up. Yeah, it and, does. You know, for this new book that I started, uh, I was trying to think, uh, where do I go with this book? Because I had already done uh, uh, my first book, I think it was 2017, uh, which was called Stay Tuned, My Life Behind the Mic. And then I realized I had a big collection in boxes uh, of old cassettes. Uh, interviews I had done, and uh, a great guy at our office at ABC, he's a tech guy, and he found some old reel-to-reel tapes, you know those big 10-inch tapes? Oh, I know them well, yes. And uh, he found them in a dusty storage room at ABC, and uh, he digitized a bunch of them for me. So for this new book, I had some, some great stuff that I could use again. And uh, it turned out to be just terrific. Everybody from uh, uh, Sigourney Weaver to uh, Yoko Ono. <laughs> you know, it reminds me of the, the stories that Johnny Carson, The Tonight Show, so many of those programs were just erased 
the tapes were erased and recorded over, which is such a shame when you think about it. Comedy gold, great stars, Johnny Carson. But I'm glad you you have access to all this because it's really fun. So the book is broken. The book is broken up into categories, and maybe we'll jump around from category to category. But you've got actors, comedians, musicians. You've got all kinds of folks in here. And, and on the back of the book, Barbara Walters has a very nice thing to say about you. Why don't we start with her? Because that's you interviewing an interviewer. Barbara Walters was, a, I should say, maybe a difficult interview, uh, mainly because she always wanted it to be perfect. And uh, occasionally she would uh, say something in an interview. I didn't do live interviews with her, by the way. But occasionally uh, we would be taping an interview. And she would uh, hear something she didn't like the way she said it. And so she would uh, look at me and she'd say, Bill, I think I can say this better. So let's uh, let's go through this again. So, you know, she, that was the kind of woman she was. She, But she was a, a sweet lady. I got to know her quite well. She is still alive, by the way. She is 92 years old, not in great shape now. But uh, uh, a delightful lady. I, I can't say mm. any bad things about uh, about Barbara. It's interesting you say that about her being a perfectionist and how she's editing as she goes her own material. Is that something that you would offer celebrities? Would, would you say to folks who are big names, listen, if, if there's something you don't like as you're saying it, just stop and start again? Or was that few and far between when that happened? I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, where you're going with this, but I, I think I understand what, what you're saying. And, you know, some of the, the great celebrities that I interviewed, uh, Barbara, you know, do, I, I would usually ask somebody, uh, how do you want to be remembered? And uh, Barbara was just, uh, didn't want to talk about that. Many celebrities don't want to say anything about how they want to be remembered. Uh Sean Connery, uh, he was he was very circumspect about it. Uh, you know, I I think I I recall. I think this is in the, in the book, uh, Jordan. Uh, in 1989, uh, Connery was I guess almost 60 then, and People Magazine had voted him the sexiest man alive. <laughs> and I said, uh, How do you feel about that? He said, Well, there aren't many sexy dead men, are there? <laughs> <laughs> nice about Sean Connery was that uh, when he came to my studio, uh, he had a, a CBS television crew was following him around. They were doing something called A Day in the Life of Sean Connery. And uh, the, the uh, camera uh, producer who was with him uh, did not like the way that uh, we walked into the studio together. And uh, she said to him, uh, Mr. Connery, can we do that again? Uh, retake that? And he looked at her with kind of a glare, and he said, listen, this is his interview. If we have time, we'll do it again later. And I just thought, hey, you know, that is really nice when you think about some of the big stars. And radio usually kind of uh, played second, second banana all mm. the time when it was television. 
So I I really admired him for that. It's interesting because you had a good relationship, even though it, it might have been just a half an hour with so many of these people. What do you owe your successful style to? I, I would owe it to the fact that you're a hell of a nice guy. But did you have any secret doors to, to open to, to ingratiate yourself with these stars? I always tried to uh, be kind to uh, celebrities that I was interviewing. Uh, I didn't want to hit them with something, you know, bad uh, about something that had gone on in their careers. Uh, Usually, uh, if you do hit them with something that uh, was a little controversial, you wait until the end of the interview to do it. But you you don't do it way up top uh, at, at the interview. You know, one of the things in this in this new book, uh, which uh, you had the pleasure of, of reading, was uh, one of our people who lived right here in my neighborhood, Rodney Dangerfield. Mm. And he was such a, a funny guy, of course, on television. Uh, you'll see some old clips of him with uh, Johnny Carson. But uh, he lived right down the street from me. And uh, I had to do an interview with him there. I I have a picture of him in his bathrobe, which is in this new book. Yeah. And Rodney used to walk his dog out on the sidewalk in his bathrobe. There was quite something. Neighbors would talk about it. They'd see him there all the time. That's... And uh, he, of course, had his own nightclub, which was uh, nearby to uh, our our building here. Uh, he's loved by all the comedians, but uh, so many of the people, uh, you have an image of what they're going to be like. For instance, you have a picture and a story about Jack Nicholson. He's wearing the dark glasses, but was he anything like you You imagined he might be or what? That was one of the interviews I did many years ago, and one that turned up in those old uh, big tape files that, that we had. Uh, Jack, Jack Nicholson was very nice when he came in. Uh, I had no problem, uh, uh, you know, talking to him. The one thing that uh, that he did talk about, as as I recall, was uh, about uh, Academy Awards, and uh, he wasn't uh, too excited about uh, about Academy Awards. He said, you know, they're nice, but uh, I really don't care too much about them. Uh, I, I guess I expected him to say something, you know, really dramatic or something, <laughs> but uh, no, no way. He was yeah. very, very quiet about it. Which is funny because for years he was at front row center at the Academy Awards. He he was the center point of attention, right? When he sat there with his with his cigarette and his glasses, dark glasses. It's it's funny that that he should say that. I'm just flipping through. There's so many things. Um, one of the categories, uh, and Barbara Walters fits this one is news, and you had the great honor, and you're a newsman at heart, to talk with people like Robert Trout from the early days of CBS and Dan Rather and Walter Cronkite. For a news guy, that's got to be a thrill to sit down with these people. I decided to include news uh, in this, uh, besides all of the the big Hollywood stars uh, who I interviewed over the years. Uh, And I got to meet Bob Trout uh, a couple of times, once uh, when he was still at uh, CBS, and then when ABC hired him. Uh, an amazing man. Uh, he came to ABC after they had, uh, you know, not fired him, but I think that they just didn't renew his contract. And it was such a pleasure 
to be working side by side with the, with the great Robert Trout. Uh, supposedly, he invented the fireside chat, uh, is mm. what a lot of people say. Mm. Uh, I'm not quite sure about that, but uh, what what an amazing man! I think he lived to be into his his nineties, and uh, I I can't say anything derogatory about about Bob Trout. He was a wonderful, wonderful man, and uh, and a great newsman too. You know, he even did local news, local TV news here in New York. Uh, early on in his, his career. Well, first of all, I find it hard-pressed to believe you'd say anything disparaging about anybody uh, in public. I, I, you have to be of a certain age and have to love the business to know that name. It's not a household name anymore. You, but, ask, you ask young people about that. Yeah. Uh, ask them uh, about AM radio, <laughs> and they kind of glaze over a little bit. <laughs> uh, you know, it's uh, you and I have uh, been in the radio business for many years, and uh, so there, there it is. You know, it's still out there. But most of the young people today, my daughter, who is going to be turning fifty, gets most of her news uh, on her cell phone. Sure, sure. Yeah, it, it's little tidbits of news on TikTok or whatever it might be. And uh, that's okay. That's the way it, the world is working. But you and I are, are of a different generation, and we respect and love the idea of digging in and getting stories. Let me ask you about some individuals, and then I want to actually focus on people that I have also interviewed, and maybe we can compare notes. But Mel Gibson, tell the peanut story with Mel Gibson, if you will. Mel Gibson showed up, uh, and I think, uh, as I recall, we did the interview at his hotel room. And uh, I brought a, a young uh, intern with me who really adored Mel Gibson, and she couldn't wait to meet him. So I said, okay, you can come with me. So as we sat there doing the interview, he kept chewing something uh, uh, in his mouth. And it turned out that he was chewing peanuts. And you and I know what that can do to a radio interview when all you hear is, yeah. <laughs> throughout the interview. And I asked him, I said, uh, you know, Mel, uh, do you think uh, you could, uh, you know, forget about the peanuts while we're doing this? He said, no, I'm trying to stop smoking. He said, so you're just going to have to work around it. And boy, it was it was very difficult trying to edit that uh, interview with Mel Gibson. <laughs> And, of course, this is well before his outbursts and anti-Semitic rants and all the other issues with alcohol and all that, right? This was early. Yeah, he got oh. himself into a lot of lot of trouble, as, as you well know. He sort of made a comeback, which is true for a lot of people. Uh, they can hit bottom and then bounce back. Maybe not as much in this day and age. Let me ask you about some others that are prominently featured and, and this was a quick interview, you say, backstage at the Emmys, but Barbara Streisand, the world sort of looks at her as the great diva. Did she come off as a diva to you when you had a few minutes with her? I never really got to know Barbara Streisand uh, in a more personal way. Most of these interviews were the ones you would do in a hotel room with about half a dozen other reporters. Right. So uh, I really never got a nice uh, personal interview with her. But she was always delightful, easy to talk to, uh, you know, with the press. So I, I can't uh, complain about anything about Barbara Walters. Uh, Streisand. Sorry. Streisand. <laughs> Strike that. 
Streisand, right? I, yeah. <laughs> no problem. I can't, I can't complain about uh, about Streisand, you know. There you go. There you go. Um, one of one of my favorite uh, female singers uh, is Bernadette Peters, and she is in the in the book, as you probably know. And uh, she had a great relationship with uh, Stephen Sondheim, who uh, who died recently. You know, and. Uh, there's there's some wonderful you know stories uh, about her. Uh, she was the Vargas girl. He was a great uh, oh, artist yes, yes. and drew a great uh, you know picture of uh, of her of drawing. Yeah, I just saw Pennies from Heaven with Steve Martin and Bernadette Peters, and she's delightful. She's a, such a talent on Broadway and in in movies. What about the one, uh, the, the one uh, Jordan? The one song that I asked her about, by the way, uh, Bernadette Peters, is uh, a song that she sang called When You're Making Love Alone. And she was going to sing it on Saturday Night Live, but the NBC censors weren't so sure <laughs> that it would be appropriate because, uh, it, hey, it's a song about masturbation. Well, finally, uh, they relented, and so she sang it anywhere. Anyway, she was a mistress of her own domain, to quote Seinfeld. She was. <laughs> she was I want to ask you about some people that I've also interviewed and see if, if we compare notes and, and how things went. Mickey Rooney, you have a picture with you and Mickey Rooney in his later years. What was your your impression of Mickey? Mickey Rooney uh, is probably one of the easiest people to interview. Uh, I've never, never had a problem with him. Once uh, I had my tape recorder with me, and uh, and so I made a mistake, and uh, you'll appreciate this, uh, Jordan. I had the mic plug into the earphone. Oh, yeah. And so here I did a whole interview with uh, Mickey Rooney, and I started to walk out uh, of the uh, interview room, and I suddenly said, oh, my God, I... I don't have the, the interview. I went back, uh, crawling back almost. I said, Mr. Rooney, I said, I had a technical problem, and I, I don't know what to what to do. Uh, he said, okay, don't worry. He said, we'll do it again. Oh, and he great. did another interview just, just perfectly. That's the old pro that uh, comes out of Hollywood, you know, give it your yeah, best at, shot. At one point, uh, we were in his hotel room, and the noise level was kind of bad. And Mickey Rooney got a whole bunch of pillows and put them around uh, the uh, microphone so he could sound better. <laughs> I thought that was really that's talk about a pro, right? Well, I met him in Boston when he and Ann Miller were doing Sugar Babies. He was in his late seventies, and he, I'll never forget this. It was a group uh, interview. And he rolled down the banister between his legs at the uh, the old Wang Theater, which was a long banister stairway, sort of slid down the banister to make his entrance. And he was off the wall funny. I mean, nonstop funny. Several people I want to ask you about because these are people I met. Jack LaLanne, the fitness expert who in his 90s was still pulling tugboats. Wasn't he cool? I love Jack LaLanne. And there's a picture in the book, I guess, of us uh, doing a little arm wrestling thing or something like that. Uh, and uh, I think he, he's, a, he's the guy who said that uh, he'd like to uh, uh, race his wife across the swimming pool 
There's a start that again. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. When when he was on top, uh, he hosted, of course, this uh, great fitness uh, TV program. I think it was in the late fifties and well into the eighties too. But he once uh, joked. He said, uh, "I raced my wife across the bathtub." <laughs> he lived to be ninety six. Uh, he was quite quite a fitness guru. Yeah, and a motivational speaker too. Oh, he was so inspiring, and he had such a love for life and energy and fitness. I, I just adored him. I thought he was great. Let's see, there are a lot of ones that you've interviewed. I think Carl did. Carl Reiner. Did I see his picture in here? About yeah, him. Carl Reiner, page two twenty nine. That's right. I thought I thought that yep. was the case. Uh, you know, he was a director also, but he co-wrote and directed films with. Uh, Steve Martin, Dead Man, Don't Wear Plaid, The Man uh, with Two Brains, All of Me, you know. Uh, he was a great storyteller, you know. Mel Brooks, who I think we might talk about in a couple of minutes here, uh, but they were great friends. They would have dinner together, and they really loved to talk about stories and everything. Uh, I, I once asked Reiner, I think this was from a 1996 interview, uh, I said, uh, do you have to be of a certain age to be a legend? And he said, I think you have to have done like three important things. I've done the Dick Van Dyke show, your show of shows, and the 2,000-year-old man. He said, I've done a lot of movies in between, but I think the thing they remember most are those three things. So mm. I guess if, if that makes me a legend, he says, uh, that's, that's me. I'm a legend. I, I actually talked with him twice by phone and we did like two hours on each one. It was just phenomenal. But he told me, and he's told others this, he told others this, he wanted to be an opera singer when he was a kid. Wow. I don't think and, I ever heard that. Yeah. And, and he was very serious about it. And of course the rest is history. We all know where he ended up. All right, let's talk Mel Brooks. I've not ever had the chance. He's got a new autobiography out in fact, but uh, what about Mel Brooks? How crazy was that? Mel Brooks, and I'll tell a, a story here, which is interesting, because my wife has uh, something in this, uh, what I'm going to talk about. Mel Brooks uh, is uh, one of the great interviews, obviously, and he's still alive. He's 95 years old, and a young woman who was doing a documentary about uh, the old Horn and Hardart Automat. Uh, they were popular in Philadelphia and in New York, these mm -hmm. great restaurants. Right. And so the director of this movie went to Mel Brooks and said, uh, would you like to be part of this movie? He said, not only would I like to be part of it, but he says, I'm going to write and sing a song in this documentary you're doing. Mm -hmm. She couldn't believe it. And he did a beautiful job. He got a whole orchestra, which he probably paid for, and he sings the Automat song. <laughs> and if, if you have a, a copy of that somewhere, you can uh, insert it here, uh, where he sings a little bit of the song. The documentary is uh, opening now around the country in theaters. And my wife uh, was interviewed for it because oh, wow. uh, she wrote a book about the Automat. That, so I called, I called your listeners to the, their attention. This is probably going to be on TV uh, soon, but uh, in theaters uh, right now. 
Oh, that's terrific. We're talking with Bill Deal, my buddy from New York, 50 Years of Celebrity Chatter, his latest book. And uh, it's filled with funny stories, poignant stories, and just short blurbs about these interesting people. You know, when I read the piece about Neil Diamond, I like the fact that he, he said, I think, something to the effect that he doesn't take himself too seriously. And, and here's a guy with millions and millions of records sold. His ego is in check, is what I glean from I that. I think Neil Diamond, I believe, uh, announced not too long ago that he has Parkinson's. And so he is no longer uh, singing anymore, as far mm. as I know. He's not doing any concerts. But uh, my my daughter was a huge fan of his, which is amazing, because my wife said, uh, you know, Bill... Uh, Neil Diamond is your father's age. (laughs) Why are you so interested in him? But uh, I got tickets to her to go see a concert with him. And so she got to not only see the concert, but uh, to be on the floor. You know, those are the big seats on the floor uh, for one of his concerts. And uh, uh, I really enjoyed meeting him. And needless to say, so so did my, my lovely daughter. But uh, Neil Diamond uh, is uh, not singing anymore. But uh, uh, what a what a sweet man! What a sweet man! That's that's what I I've heard and I read about it in your book, and I was happy to read that. Uh, have there been incidents over the years? Uh, and I have one question of one celebrity in particular, where it's been a little uncomfortable because of a certain habit. I'm thinking like a Willie Nelson. Was he smoking uh, the uh, the funny weed in your presence? Willie Nelson, of course, uh, on the road again, as we all remember. Uh, he began his career as a songwriter in the early 1960s, and I write about uh, that uh, in, in the book. Uh, by the 70s, he was a, a big chart-topping artist uh, and what became known as country music's outlaw movement mm-hmm. uh, and a solo artist uh, with songs. You probably remember a few of them. Blue eyes crying in the rain, and to all the girls I've loved before. Yeah, uh, he he once uh, told me. Uh, he said I started out singing in choirs in a church. <laughs> so some of these people had very interesting early careers yeah. before they really became big family people, and of course farm aid, of which uh, he has raised millions of dollars for family farmers. And he wrote the song Crazy, which is my favorite Patsy Cline song and everyone's favorite Patsy Cline song. He, he was prolific. But I was my wondering if he smoked a little uh, of the funny cigarette while you were interviewing him or was it smoke free? I don't recall him talking about <laughs> any of the funny stories. He brought with me uh, a young woman who he was touting as the next big uh, country singer. And uh, so I think that's what really made uh, the interview interesting. Uh, I didn't get to talk to the woman he was with, but uh, he was really admiring uh, her. Uh, so that's how I got to interview Willie Nelson. It was a, a, a two-person interview, not a one-on-one. You had, you had to take her along with him. That's okay. To get to Willie, I would do that. Absolutely. You interviewed many writers, obviously, over the course of your career, and I've interviewed thousands, it seems. Some of the most interesting people are the writers, uh, but sometimes they're not as eloquent or they're not quite as vocally interesting, but they have great things to say. So you've got everybody from Arthur Miller to Stephen King to uh, Mary Higgins Clark. So you've got some real giants. Any of those stand out any of those interviews? Well, of course, Arthur Miller was uh, married uh, 
as, as you well know, to Marilyn Monroe. Oh, yes. Uh, quite quite something, uh, and probably the last person you would expect a, a great writer to be married to. And I've interviewed Arthur Miller at a, a Broadway theater backstage, uh, and but the one thing that he said immediately when we started our interview, you can't ask her, uh, you can't ask me about Marilyn. So I, I had to keep my mouth shut, but... Uh, Plenty. Uh, yeah, it was a great moment, but uh, yeah. no M.M. No, know? yeah, but there's plenty to talk about with Miller, I would imagine, anyway. <laughs> you know, how about Stephen King? Is he in a good interview in, in terms of radio? Yes, Stephen King, uh, Jordan, uh, the one thing that I recall asking him about were uh, critics of his work. And uh, I, I said, uh, it's got to hurt, you know. Uh, but, uh, you know, he said, uh, and t- he took it in stride, and uh, he says, critics are not there to be consumer advocates. I told him that he was once compared uh, in his writing to McDonald's food. He said, yeah, a lot of it is being sold tasty, doesn't hurt anybody. Hmm. I want people to have a good time. I'm not serving Cordon Bleu or French Novelle. It's more on food, he said, but Sometimes it sure does taste good. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad he was funny about it because I love Stephen King and I think he's amazing. And you're right about yeah, critics. Yeah. You're right about critics. All well, right. The one question I did ask him, uh, and I think I mentioned that I sometimes like to ask people how they'd like to be remembered. And uh, uh, well, uh, Stephen King said, uh, "Well, you know, it's amazing uh, that I want to be remembered as someone who has written." you know, good books, but uh, you write because you can't find anything in the library to read. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, uh, Well, he said, uh, uh, how about this? I'll leave our radio listeners with uh, what Stephen King said. He said, uh, I'm having a pretty good time considering we're going to die someday. (laughs) (laughs) That's that down main dark humor, absolutely. Bill, let me ask you this. Uh, do you miss the red carpet days on the Oscar Patrol? Because you did it as well as anybody, but it must be a grind. Do you miss it? Well, we're going through the Oscars again, and uh, I do miss it a little bit. Uh, not, not big time. It was uh, such an honor to be out there and uh, to have that wonderful uh, spot on the red carpet to be talking to people up close and personal. A lot of people, of course, think, oh, boy, that must be something. But, you know, you didn't get to ask them much at all. A couple of quick questions. Uh, are you wearing anything lucky tonight? Uh, things like like that. Uh, and you, you compliment them. Hey, it's a great movie. You're built for an Oscar. Uh, do you think uh, you have a good chance? But beyond that, you know, you don't get to ask any personal yeah. questions. Those you, you save for those great interviews you do separately, either in the studio or uh, or in a hotel room where sometimes you had to do the interview. But uh, it was still a still a great great time to be uh, out there to cover it. I mm-hmm. I started covering the Oscars in I think 1982. The last one was oh boy, way back to 2007. But I still like to watch the show. It's the best show, you know, mm. going. And Absolutely. even though the Golden Globe Awards, uh, uh, they have lost their luster now. And NBC.
sidebar because the Golden Globes got criticized a, a lot. They didn't have any uh, uh, black members at all in their group, and uh, and they were giving uh, giving out uh, lots of, of goodies to uh, people and to reporters and critics uh, who who fell for a lot of uh, all that good stuff that they were yeah the, the free credibility yeah credibility I think was they shot. Even flew, uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they they spent a bit of money and put up reporters, uh, interviewers in hotels. So they were criticized a lot for that, and so the Golden Globes have lost their luster. They're trying to get their act together again, but uh, they have uh, failed miserably in earlier years. Well, let's hope that the the Oscars come back strong this year and in many years to come, because it is a fabled kind of thing, and we we look forward to it. Before we close out, we should at least tease it. I don't want to I don't want you to give it away, but the subtitle of the book is "Or the Time I Interviewed a Porn Star Naked." The porn star is in the book. The pictures in the book. I might have asked you this before, but is that the most nerve wracking experience to stand next to a totally <laughs> naked woman, and thinking, "What's my wife going to think about this when I get home?" Well, I don't think that it, it was nerve-wracking at the time uh, because I didn't know what I was getting into. Uh, here was Marilyn Chambers, the ivory snow girl on the ivory snow box, and uh, when Procter & Gamble discovered that she was uh, a porn star, they, of course, uh, kind of uh, got uh, rid of her. They didn't want her in part at all. Uh, that was embarrassing to Procter & Gamble. But uh, our assignment manager at, at ABC said, Bill, we're sending you down to the Pussycat Cinema in Times Square to interview Marilyn Chambers. And so I went down there, and there were other reporters who were there, too, so I was not alone. But uh, a Reuters photographer took a picture of me, and there she was uh, in the all together. Uh, <laughs> my wife used to joke. She said, you, you look like a deer in the headlights. Uh, well, holding a microphone there. She looked perfectly. Uh, I, she, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say she looked perfectly relaxed. She was at home. She had no problem. It seemed. Oh no, she she took advantage of uh, the publicity. Mm. A few years later, when she had tried to become a serious actress, uh, I interviewed her again, and there's a picture in the book uh, with her clothes all on. Uh, right. But, uh, that was that was. Marilyn Chambers, she she died kind of sadly at the age of 56, uh, I think in 2009. Uh, but uh, she did have her time, and she took advantage of it, no doubt about it. Well, so, it's the it's the best uh, subtitle I've seen in a long time. So <laughs> <laughs> I am uh, so excited for you. I, I you and I have, have corresponded a lot off air and off podcast, and and I know how much you love the industry that you've been in and I do too and you know that and I'm so excited and happy for this latest book. It's a treasure of memories but people will love it. Anybody uh, who knows about celebrities and loves celebrities will love it and uh, and I just want to say congratulations. Well done. Well thank you. Thank you uh, Jordan. We both had a great time and uh, both of us have had a chance to be up close and personal with some of the great celebrities uh, who are uh, still on the planet. 
planet, which is which is nice. Uh, there are some that uh, have passed away, but thankfully we can still remember them. And I uh, have made mention of them and few pictures of them uh, in this nice book, which uh, I had a great time doing. You're not done, and I'm not done, so uh, we're not going anywhere, celebrities. We're here, both Bill and I. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. God bless. God bless to you, too. Bill Deal. Do check out his books, including the new one, 50 Years of Celebrity Chatter. You will not be disappointed. Thanks, as always, to Dan Tebow of Fast Twitch Media, to Ken Carberry and the gang at Chart Productions in Boston, where we produce this and many other podcasts. Find out more about this show and a whole bevy of activities at jordanrich.com. And until next time, as always, be well so you can do good. Take care.